0: hello ladies and welcome to season two episode two of the brown girl rising podcast today i've got a really special one for you and it's not like any other normal podcast this episode was recorded for the reluctant leader series on youtube uh, which i did for Gajinda bogle and we thought it was so good and you got to see me in a different light that I am using it for season two, episode two. You'll definitely enjoy this one. It is Gajinda questioning me on all aspects of my life and my business and how I got into business. So enjoy this episode, ladies.
1: Hello everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Reluctant Leader. And I am your host, Gajinda Bogle, AKA The Reluctant Leader. And I am joined today by a very special guest, who is Urvashi Ladd. And Urvashi is somebody who is obviously a fellow business owner, but has, over our entrepreneurial journey, we've really bonded and become friends. So I am really, really excited to have a um, professional conversation with us, because it's going to be really, really funny to see us on this level. Um, but a few months ago, I was interviewed by Urvashi on her um, yeah. podcast so I feel really honoured that I can actually return the favour. So welcome Ush, and over to you to introduce yourself to the public.
0: Amazing, thank you Gajinda. you know what it's so weird being on this side of the conversation, normally it's me doing the intros and the like uh, interviewing but hi guys I am Urushi. I am a Dharma wellness and spiritual life coach. I work with women over five mainly to help them reclaim their radiance and raise their vibrations we work on emotional health physical health um, spiritual health as well as relationship and really like leaning into the divine feminine energy Um, I love hosting community events like the Sister Circles, I have my experiential travel as well, so the retreats in Thailand and Bali, and then I am, as agenda said, a podcast host for Brown Girl Rising. So I'm really honoured to be here today with you on The Reluctant Leader.
1: And do you know what? This is going to be an incredible conversation, not, be- not just because of you know, us being friends as well mm-hmm. and of everything that you're doing right now, but you were not always a spiritual and dharma life coach were you no, not how at. did your business journey actually start
0: gosh we're talking if i'm completely honest you were talking about going back 20 years which probably when were sho-
1: two <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> when i was 23 which probably <laughs> shocks a lot of people um I used to work in an IT company called Siemens. Uh, You may have heard of it. They do mobile phones. (laughs) Um, Anyway, so-
1: Do they still do mobile phones?
0: I do not think so. <laughs> oh,
1: yeah, go but I have heard of them. I have heard of yeah. it.
0: Yeah, so I am well, of the I same age have... age range, so I have I know, it. <laughs> right? exactly. BlackBerry was out at the same time, right? So that was the competitor, Nokia and BlackBerry. Um, anyway, so I had um, I was only a temp at this place, but I had this awesome boss. And I say temp, they had me on for like two years, and I was never actually a permanent member of staff. I had this boss. Um, he was Asian, and it was my first. Asian boss and he lived in London and we worked in Berkshire and he used to do these events like they were called flashback um or reminisce at the time and I was just like okay this is cool so like you know you do these events like how do people find you how do people like get tickets and he was like yeah so it's kind of like word of mouth and then I'll just meet people in Tesco's car parks and swap tickets for cash and I'm like excuse me what? (laughs) i was like
1: Wait i know a minute. we're going back 22 years ago right but honestly guys there was te- technology was still about barely <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, there was there was right it was um about 2006 and then i about 2005 when i actually had the idea um and i was just like why don't you just sell them online and he was just like Yeah, I said, okay, we'll do mobile ticketing. He's like, too much effort. And I was like, are you joking? It's so unsafe for women to come and meet a random man. I know you're a great guy. In a Tesco's car park, in my head, I had, um, like... Dodgy written all over it. ...car park. And I was like, this is really bad. And just meeting them in a corner, it's a bit dodgy deal, isn't it, really? And so, he kind of just put it to the wayside. But at the time, I was... Communicating with a lot of people online, like, you know, back in the day, all these like chat rooms were open. There was one called Asians in Media. I was also doing radio at the time. And I came across somebody there who was a web developer and we became friends. And I, one day, I was like, do you want to meet for dinner? I've got an idea. Like, you know, I've got, I don't know what to do with it. Um, I can't build anything on my own, Um, which I couldn't at the time now, absolutely. And so I told him and literally he went away going, nah, not going to work, not going to work. And then literally, I think it was Sunrise Radio who approached him and said, we need need a ticketing (laughs) platform. Two days later. And then he comes back to me and goes, we have a client. Let's do it. And literally that was it. So chillytickets.com was born. It was also born the same year as Eventbrite. Um, No way. yes. Yes. Yes, right. And then, um, obviously, Eventbrite is huge now. Um, that could have been tickets.com. <laughs> could have been. And you know what? It was going that way. It just, my my business partners at the time just didn't have that in them. And I couldn't build it on my own. However, now, I'd be like, let's run with it. Um, but, yeah, we was we were working with so many. I was working with the O2. I was working with the Roundhouse. I was working with the South Bank Centre. Theatre ticketing, nightlife ticketing, all that kind of stuff. It was insane same agenda
1: and do you know what i've heard of chilli tickets.com i've used chilli tickets.com in the future and i remember in the past and i remember when you told me you were the founder i was like what and i thought it was like a spin off <laughs> like maybe some kind of spin off and it was like no it was the chilli tickets.com which is massive that's a massive massive thing yeah so then what happened with that on that journey so that was your first business what happened with that
0: journey so chilitickets.com and Asian Date were very intertwined. So I had Chili, my business partner also had Asian Date. Um mm. or Asian DA. It was a dating platform, padlock parties, and I started helping him out on that business. I went to one of those padlock
1: parties. Oh my god. <laughs> it was in London somewhere.
0: Yeah, so we used to hold them in like Jewel Bar and in St Paul's and you know at the Gherkin and I used to literally host these parties Um, and then they got even bigger so then it was like I was holding them in Manchester and Leicester but then Gajinda, we went international so then I started flying over to New York like every three months. Yeah it was just incredible but Asian date was a bit of a cash cow and the cash eventually ran dry and it went to a point where I was actually about to move to New York. It was 2010 and I was about to move to New York or 2011. The business.
1: For the business.
0: For the business. For the dating business. Yeah. So I was on the board of the dating business, but I owned like most of Chili Tickets, right? And so then I used to get flown over to New York. You know, I found a beautiful apartment in Wall Street and I was ready. I had a goodbye party and then Asian date made me redundant. At that time. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. And at that point, I was like, well, I'm done. I'm done. Like, you have, like, I wanted to build chili. I want to take chili abroad, which had some money in it, but there just was no interest. They wanted to focus on Asian Day. And so we kind of parted ways. And I, um, yeah, I sold my shares, majority of my shares at that time. What in chili Chili tickets.com. Is it still around? <laughs> no so it was sold to one of the Mo- like a mobile or the Le- mobile one of them um as a ticketing platform and they just took the database and did nothing with the platform which is really sad
1: and it really it was
0: my baby it was my absolute baby and it makes me so sad that it doesn't exist anymore sometimes i still google it what does the logo look like
1: Oh my God. And do you know what? And it wasn't just any old baby. It was a baby that grew to be a very big child
0: yeah, <laughs> and a very is.
1: successful one at that. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Amazing. So we've got chili tickets. We've got yeah. that chapter, that closed, that door closed. And what happened next? Because I believe you've had five businesses or you've got five businesses yeah. or there's been yeah. another journey. So what happened after that?
0: I didn't go straight back into business. Um, okay. I went in, I stayed in the ticketing industry um, for, for the theatre industry, so for West End and Broadway. Um, I built another website with obviously I outsourced the building of it and the coding of it um, called fromtheboxoffice.com, which still does exist today. Yeah, don't tell me you've used that as well. <laughs> no, no, no. You oh, will yeah, when you, you go see that. you will, you will. Know. <laughs> Theatre's coming. Um, yeah, so I built that website um, and I stayed there for a year and then I got kind of headhunted to go into client success. So I went into client success. Um, I guess I was really good with people and they just loved that relationship part of me because I just am a relationship builder that's what I pride myself on and being honest as well is the other thing and I was headhunted and I worked for an e-commerce ticketing platform for a couple of years but then I realized that I needed to do something for myself and mm. I really focused on my fitness this was about 2013 I have just moved into my first home that I'd bought with the shares from chili tickets.com. And then um, I started my fitness journey. And my fitness journey led me to a spiritual awakening. And so then I started coaching people on their mindset and their fitness. And I had a business called Push with Ush. Um, That's when I met you. (laughs) That's when we met. Um, And that was a very successful business, especially in the lockdown. Um, You know, I had women, I probably trained about Two to 300 women over the course of two years of lockdown wow. just on their mental health and their mm. physical health but mental being the priority um then what came after that um so then there's chili tickets and asian day there's push with ush there's the little bubbly truck
1: the little bubbly truck i loved this the little bubbly truck
0: <laughs> do you know what the idea what?
1: Of- how do you go from um pushing with ush
0: yeah
1: to a butter truck. Where did that come from? Where did that come from?
0: I have always had a very good palate in terms of wine. I can taste flavours. And I've been told so many times by different sommeliers across the world, like Rome and Sonoma Valley and stuff like that. You need to get your sommeliers. You need to do your level one, level two, level three and become like a sommelier. And I'm like, Ooh. no my teeth would get ruined, right? Because they, imagine it, right? You're taking the wine, but you're like swizzling and then you're spitting it out. No, thank you. That's a lot of acid for your teeth. Um, I'd rather just enjoy the wine. Um, And so the idea of the little bubbly truck was like, well, I enjoy people. I enjoy relationships. I enjoy making people happy um, and seeing smiles on their faces. And I was like, I really like Prosecco. So then I saw these trucks around the UK and I was like, well, what would that be like? And it was. And bearing in mind, I had, obviously I had my business, but I didn't really have 25 grand to invest in a truck. But the universe works in mysterious ways, as we know. And I put it out there, I need 25 grand if I'm going to buy this truck and set up a business. Right? And all of a sudden, the government's... um, Collaboration with Virgin Business Startup Loans came into my inbox. And I was like, no, no, no. So I was just like, guess what, guess what? Their maximum they'll invest is 25 grand. Yeah. So I applied. Obviously. And I was like, if it's meant to be, I will get the loan. I had interviews with them. I filled out this 30 page form And literally, there was 25 grand in my account three weeks later, and I drove up to Hull and I bought the truck um, and then had it all rebranded, then created partnerships with um, Peroni, with Warner's Gin, with Prosecco 1947 or 1957, whatever it is, 1747, I think it is, and some other little Prosecco companies around like Skinny Prosecco and stuff like that. And I had a business. I also did um footballers engagement parties so manchester city footballer engagement party which was insane um so driving that up and down the motorway yeah oh my how fast did it go <laughs> <laughs> no i didn't drive the truck <laughs> i drove it on a trailer can you imagine <laughs> a little motorbike with this prosecco thing the worst on?
1: The back. Thing is, i can't actually imagine so that is the worst thing oh my god and ush we're only talking about a few years ago this is only like two or three years
0: ago right? 2021 yes wow which is two
1: years ago that is incredible
0: but but sometimes that... you realize something isn't right for you mm. and so I had to let it, go. it wasn't right for me um I also got very ill at the time um I ended up like uh with h pylori acid reflux and it was deliberating and I couldn't run the business so um I had to let it go and it's now she's now in Jersey I've been invited to go to uh, little parties in Jersey but I haven't been yet um but yeah she's having a good life out there.
1: Oh amazing so when when did that journey end so you
0: had so I probably had so that journey ended um what year are we in 23 yeah so that journey ended around May 22 so I literally only had her for a year. Wow. Yeah.
1: And then after the bubbly truck, is that when you went into dharma and spiritual kind of life coaching?
0: Yeah. So what I had realized is I had to do a lot of work on myself. Um, I got, as I said, I got really ill. I had to do a lot of work on my mindset, who I was, what my purpose was. And there's one thing I'm going to be completely honest with you. I have still, after five businesses, right, not... Being
1: able to Um, call myself an entrepreneur. No, not being able to call myself an entrepreneur. Wow. And you are not only a business owner or an entrepreneur, you're actually a serial entrepreneur. And actually, what makes a real entrepreneur is when you've only got one business, you're a business owner. But an entrepreneur is somebody with multiple businesses and doing multiple things. And you don't feel that yet for yourself. No. Why is that?
0: I don't know. I know I know that I've definitely found my calling. This is mm-hmm. my purpose. I know that. It feels right. Everything around it feels right. Um, I think it's just a very scary word. And also, in my head, entrepreneurs are billionaires. And I'm not quite there yet.
1: Mm. Well, I don't think any entrepreneur is. down. There's not actually that many billionaire business owners out there so you know if you're you're comparing it to billionaires 100% yeah. but okay so you don't you don't you know associate yourself with an entrepreneur but you've got a massive drive that has mm. been driving you for the last 22 years since your early 20s and what is that drive that's driving you then
0: i just want to make this planet better For everyone, Mm. I I have been through depression. I have had bulimia. I have had mental breakdowns. You know, you I've also had trauma. Um, I was sexually assaulted at university, and all of these things that I had, they could have they could have left me in a pile on the floor. But there was always a little glimmer of hope. Mm. And that's what I want for everyone, to have a little glimmer of hope that they can hold on to so that they can actually get themselves out like a little rope coming out of a well and go, you know what? Yes, I've done this. Like, this is me. I want everyone to know themselves authentically. And I think that's the most important thing for me is leaving this world a better place, leaving people happy, helping people find peace with things that they've been through, challenging moments and going, you know what, I can now focus on that vision that I've got for my future. So that's really what I want to do.
1: That is incredible. That is absolutely incredible. And and considering what you've been through as well to get to this stage, and it hasn't been easy, yes. what has been one of the pivotal things that has helped you get through the last 20 years of entrepreneurship, mm. whether you accept it or not, that is where <laughs>
0: you've been. <laughs> Do you know what? Um, there's a couple of things. So I just want to quickly mention, like in when I was 36, I don't even know how many years ago that was now. Um, I went traveling seven. seven. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> quick math. Very quick math. Um, I went traveling on my own for the first time. Well, officially long haul traveling for the first time. And this was in between the first e-commerce job and the ticketing, uh, or the other way around. Uh, I can't remember. Yeah, one of them. Anyway, and I was out there having this beautiful time. And I was at a fitness camp, and every week we'd walk up this thing called Big Buddha Mountain, and we'd walk up, and they'd be like, "Yeah, made it to the top, forty-four minutes. Yeah, made it to the top, thirty-eight minutes." The last time I did it, I don't know what happened. But I walked up and I was on my own the whole way up this time. I was like, right, I'm just going to focus on my walk because it's pretty steep, right? You're literally nose to ground at some points. And I walked around the corner and I saw Buddha and my, oh, I just started crying and I couldn't stop. And it was like God or spirit or divine had just gone, wake up, she? We have been knocking on your door for 22 years. We need you. And I and I was just in tears. I was like, I don't understand what you want. I don't know what you want from me. I'm trying to live my life, and he, he and it was like God or spirit was just saying, "That's not your life. You've got more to offer." And it was like I'd, I'd had chili by then. I'd already I'd already started push push by then. I was I'd done my um, you know personal training diplo- diploma, and it was like you are here for more. And that was one of the pivotal moments of my life, definitely. And it was just. I don't know if you ever had an awakening like that, but it was like, God was like knocking on my door so many times, like going, come on, come on, come on-ish, come on-ish. And it was like the fifth awakening I'd had, I think, in like as many years. Was like, <laughs> all right, I'm listening now, what do you it's need? Like, before it gets to a punch in the face,
1: you better just wake up, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think what's got me through is that, you know, that glimmer of hope, that, that faith in something more, that I was meant for more, that I wasn't meant to, just be a victim that I wasn't meant to just have like um diseases and you know when I was seven eight years old I used to lay on the ground in our beautiful home in Cheltenham looking up the stars and go what's the point what is the point of being alive right I'm here I'm alive but if I look at the trajectory of people around me like parents aunts uncles they've been educated, they've got married, they've had kids, they're doing a job that they probably hate, then they go and travel for a few years and then they die? What's the point? I was like, there has to be a point, we're here. And I'm seven or eight years old at this point. Like, what a weird thing for a child to think. Actually, it's probably not. Nowadays.
1: yeah, (laughs) we know very different now, That that's exactly what a
0: seven-year-old child thinks.
1: And actually, they're more awake than any one of us.
0: They They are. And that's what it was. It was that whole, there's more. There's got to be more.
1: There's a purpose. Wow. Yeah. And so what have, you know, you've been in business, whether you like it or not, for over 20 years.
0: I am definitely the reluctant leader.
1: You are definitely the reluctant leader. Um, But here you are. Yeah. You are a leader, whether it is with reluctance or not. You You are a leader and you are here leading. And over these 20 years, what has kept you going back into another business another business because you could have easily then stayed in corporate right you could have got a job and just stayed in that path but as reluctant as you are mm. you've come back again yeah. you come back again so you believe in business a little bit yeah. what is it about that
0: <laughs> what is it um, I first of all I'm not very good at a nine-to-five job <laughs> I am not very <laughs> I'm not very good at someone saying, "Ugh, this is what you need to do, and this is your remit." No, or
1: you need to wake up. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. You're like, "Oh God, I'm sleeping again." Um, and I was just never very good with your traditional hierarchical structures of a business workplace, or, or or kind of having that, you know, boss who tells me what to do every day or checks in on me, and I'm just like, "No, I need, I, I need to be free now," and. I'll go back to this in a minute, but human design is a big thing. But for me, what kept me coming back is I love helping people. I love seeing people people's minds just click into action, right? I've had people, and, and this is the craziest thing. Like, I would never assume people would look at me like this because I'm just a guide. And I, I don't think I give myself enough credit, but I had somebody the other day go, you are like, you are like mother to me. Right, like that's how much I've changed these people's lives. Yeah, like, and I am, and it's such a weird thing to I'm not a mum, but all my life, all my life, I felt like a mum, not in a weird way. Who knows if I'll have children, but it's that nurturing mother, mother figure. Yeah, and I think that's what I was born for. Like, I always thought I'd have three or four kids. None of them have come yet. I say yet.
1: You can have mine.
0: <laughs> Any I love yours I love your kids and and that's the thing right seeing people just going oh my god you really helped me in a really bad place of my time or I've lost 20 kilos because of the work we've done what I don't like people saying is I've I've lost 20 kilos because of you no you haven't I've just been the guiding light you've done the work in it, Twitter, yeah, yeah. And so that's what's keep That's that is what keeps me coming back. And then I realized um, so recently I've been getting into my human design a little bit more and my um, design is a manifesting generator, which is with a one three profile of all things. But like a manifesting generator just starts something they love and they've got, just got to love what they do. And I love what I do. And the one three profile is knowledge and and just jumping in. And so I love research. I don't know, like, I think I must have told you this multiple times, but I always have, like, four courses on at the same time. Mm-hmm. Reading, like, got four courses, then I get overwhelmed, mm-hmm. i like, just stop. Um, but it's just the knowledge I'm seeking. I'm seeking knowledge to share knowledge. So, yeah.
1: And I, I found a theme, actually, which I wrote down. Okay. I found a the theme between your businesses. Mm-hmm. And um, I want to share my thoughts on this theme, but I feel that with all your businesses, the theme, the underlying theme is that you mm-hmm. help people live their best life.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, would, I, would, I agree.
1: The ticketing, the push with Ush, the Prosecco bar, Asian day, and now you're coaching even your retreats. All of that stuff is designed yep around people living their best life. And there's two things here. There's people living their best life and there's people knowing who they are. Mm. Why is that so important, Ush?
0: I think there is no point going through life, sitting on the sofa, eating pizza and Diet Coke every night there's no joy Why not? <laughs> unless you
1: enjoy it unless that is you living your best life
0: uh, yeah if that is you living your best life but with all the knowledge and everything that I've learned through my career um through my entrepreneurship oh god I said the word um is is this going to be a
1: turning point is this, this going to be who a knows, turning point you
0: know the one thing I know is that someone who does like is doing that there is something going on with them right like there is going to be they're not able to live their purpose there's something holding them back they're either living in depression or anxiety you know there's a lot going on in the body and we need to let that go so yeah what was your question
1: (laughs) is why is it so important why is it so important for people to live their best life yeah And for them to know who they are, because that's what you help them with.
0: So living your best life. I mean, we only get one life on this planet, right? And you want it to be the most incredible life. You want Mm. to have a purpose for being on this planet. Um, And then it's really important to know who you are authentically, because otherwise you're just walking around not knowing who you are, not knowing what you like, not knowing how to speak to people. Um, You're not being the most truest form of yourself. You're not living your purpose. You're not living your dharma. And then you're just living in this 3D world of being like, yeah, you know, I'm a robot. I go to work. I eat. I sleep. I poop. And then I do it all again the next day.
1: And repeat. Groundhog Day every single day. day.
0: And who needs Groundhog Day, right?
1: And 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 you mentioned the word dharma. Yeah. What is that?
0: So dharma has lots of different meanings um, across kind of the subcontinent of Asia. But the biggest one is it's your duty and your purpose. So whatever it is that fills you up with joy and your skill set, you need to bring that to the planet. We are all born for a reason and dharma is your reason. 100%
1: 100% and this is something that we you know it is called different things under different principles so I'm I'm also a quantum coach so again in quantum coaching our purpose we've got a mission
0: yes. so
1: what might be our dharma is our mission of why we actually came to this world and and that is it it's to find what that mission is 100%. and making and sure we know it right it. we
0: know what it is it's inside of us we've just got to pull it out by going through multiple challenges to figure out what That mission or that dharma is
1: Mm. and am I right in saying it's not an easy journey to find out to figure out to go into these deepest darkest depths of who you really are it's not easy
0: it's not easy now if it was easy in terms of you just kind of went along automatically you maybe are here just to do that right not everybody has a dharma to fulfill on this planet some people are just here because they just want to go for the ride right experience
1: the pizza and the coke and everything else (laughs)
0: exactly they've done it on a different life, in a different lifetime different planet you know we're here when when it comes to dharma those people that have had challenges and traumas and have healing to do, ancestral trauma, all that kind of stuff, mm. those are the people that really get to know themselves, and by knowing yourselves, you're able to then help others who are going through the same thing, and so you need to go through that, you signed up to do that on this planet, you, I, and this sounds crazy, but I signed up for the abuse I got, so that I would remember, it's a remembering,
1: yeah,
0: right, it's a remembering, this is my purpose, Like, as a human being in 3D form, oh, my God, no, I did did not. But as a spirit, as a soul, to remember my dharma, I did. I did. Because if I hadn't have gone through that, I wouldn't have gone through bulimia. Right? I wouldn't have lost all that weight and put it back on. I wouldn't have had, you know, multiple things, challenges. My reflux, again, my reflux, there is a spiritual reason I had reflux. I was in a relationship at the time. And... I couldn't digest where it was going. I couldn't physically. It was just like this is not going where I want it to go. But I love mm-hmm. him so much, and the reflux was literally a physical expression or symptom of what was going on inside.
1: Would you be who you are today if you hadn't been through everything you've been through? No.
0: Um, I no no way. I wouldn't be who I am today. Like you know, I know people in my life who are pretty happy in their nine to five jobs. They've got their families. They've gone holiday once a year. That is not my life, and that would have been my life if I hadn't been through everything. And I can't, I can't physically stomach that. And that sounds crazy. I couldn't stomach normality. I'm not normal. I never have been.
1: (laughs) And you know what? And it's who who's to define what normal is?
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: (laughs) Who is it to define what normal is and what isn't normal, and where I'm living a normal life and you're not living a normal life? You know that Mm. that's that's up to interpretation. And I guess, where would you be if you didn't have these businesses? Where were you hoping to be when you were younger? So when you looked at, you know, when you were that seven, seven-year-old seven child or maybe the 18-year-old looking into the future, where did you think you were going to be?
0: I would have by now thought I would have been married with children, having your typical suburban lifestyle, um. so me but you're not <laughs> are you my love you're really not um, I mean no do you know what I mean like living in the countryside somewhere with like maybe a horse and a dog I know that sounds crazy but I was brought up in the countryside Um, yeah just, just living your typical life that's where I would be and that's what I'd wanted that's what I thought was life at the time mm-hmm. But had I'm getting that, anything, so you've
1: really come don't... from a countryside and actually your determination over the years is probably more associated with someone that's lived in the city and has grown up being surrounded by the city. So how was that? Because, you know, obviously, did you see the flashing lights from the country and think that's where I'm going? I'm going in that direction. Like, what was that like?
0: Reluctantly. <laughs> I <laughs> you are the I best. To, guest. Yeah. I went to university in Bristol, didn't want to go.
1: Um, mm-hmm.
0: I was really a family girl. So I was that typical country family girl, um, I think as I grew up. And as I went to university, my parents moved to Berkshire. So we came from like, you know, the West Country, and I can still do the accent, from the West Country. Um, yeah.
1: Could you do it for us, please? <laughs>
0: Cheltenham, Gloucester, Bristol, to this side of the world. Wow. And Gajinda, if I if I tell you something, you're gonna be I won't tell anyone. Yeah, I know, please don't. But I didn't know what Sikh person was. I didn't know what and that now was. you obviously know
1: they're the best people.
0: <laughs> now I literally mix my Punjabi words up with Gujarati words and I've like, <laughs> my mom going, you mean Tavi, right? <laughs> I
1: love it. I love her. I'm like, okay.
0: how naive I was and then when I moved here I was like I have no friend I was literally reluctantly again forced to move to Berkshire I wanted to go back to Cheltenham I wanted to go back to my country life um but I was forced to move here because this was now the family home and I had to create a life for myself and that's when I started radio because I'd always been in radio I started at BBC Radio Gloucestershire hospital radio and um yeah and I started in radio here I experienced some incredible things, like oh you know, yeah, <laughs> took my mom to see the Chippendales via the radio station. That was an interesting <laughs> evening. She's like got her eyes, she has got her hand covering my eyes going, don't look. And she's like literally peeking, and I'm
1: Mum. Mum old enough, leave me alone.
0: <laughs> exactly. Um, and then yeah, it was just I didn't know Asians. I didn't know Asians.
1: Wow.
0: Yeah. And I needed to know who I was, and that's where the journey started.
1: The Dharma Life Coach journey.
0: The whole, yeah, authentic self journey.
1: Wow. And what I'm wowing about is that you've got a podcast now. Yes. That is called Brown Girl Rising. So people will probably be listening to this thinking hold on a minute you know every single brown girl out there because (laughs) you're interviewing them so how did that come about then so you've obviously and I do know bits of this story because we are friends and you have shared it to me and I was shocked then and I'm just going to be equally as shocked now so you did did not have brown friends
0: I had five brown friends they were in my um dance group but we all split so everyone's around the country and then I we went to Bristol I was adamant I wasn't joining the Hindu society I was so coconut mm. at the time yeah and and coming to the east and I call it the- coconut
1: for anyone wondering is a brown on the outside and white on the inside <laughs> literally a coconut
0: <laughs> literally a coconut and when I came to east I was like I don't understand these people I remember Gijinda the first time my sister went to Nottingham, so very different to me. Um, I remember the first time I went to Nottingham, I went on a night out. I walked into this club and every all I could see was eyes. I couldn't see people because they were all brown. And I, sh- I was like, because think about it. I've been to Bristol. I've been to Cheltenham. Everyone is like not brown. And I walked to mm-hmm. this room and I, felt, and I felt like I didn't fit in. And <sighs> I think, yeah, I felt like I didn't fit in. So the colour of my skin fit in, but I as a person didn't fit in. So, But I am now so obsessed with our culture. Like, I absolutely love being Indian. I love learning. I now, you know, I went to the Gurdwara on the 1st of January this year, you know, as my start of the new year. And I'm not Sikh, I'm, I'm, I'm Hindu. But for me, it's just really important to kind of, really get to know my culture more, get to know the people of my culture. And I think that's where it started. I love brown women. You know, there is, I know that there's this like, oh, brown women are this, that and the other, but I cannot from who I am ever say that. I've, I've just had the best experiences and I love it.
1: And I think that's been in conversations that we've had because you've just been like, "Did you know, I thought brown people were like this. I thought they were like this. And especially the girls, like, but it's not like that. And it's like, yeah, 100%, it's not like that.
0: Yeah. And Brown Girl Rising came from a love of just seeing this incredible stuff Mm -hmm. that brown women were doing for other brown women, right? And now we're all here helping each other like rise up and raise our vibrations, become our most beautiful, radiant, wholesome selves. Yeah. And that's what it's about. Yeah.
1: And it's so amazing. So the Brown Girl Rising is now a platform in its own right, showcasing some amazing, amazing brown girls, which is incredible. And you've got some um, incredible guests. Mm. You've had some incredible guests. You've also got some incredible guests, which I'm not going to share because it's not my news to share, but I do know who they are. But what has been your biggest learning during those conversations? Because I guess it is a bit of a learning for you as well with the conversations that you have.
0: I think my biggest learning from all the conversations I've had is that every single woman I've spoken to has had some kind of a challenge Mm. that has brought them home to their most authentic self, which has humbled them and brought them home to their most authentic selves where they've had to go, I have to do this or I'm not going to survive. Right. And it's so magical seeing, hearing the stories, you know, and going, wow, like you, I've spoken to people who've been in plane crashes. I've been, I've spoken to people who've, you know, lost partners and husbands and entire families, right? And to see them rise is just so inspirational. And it that's what amazing. I want to share,
1: right? Yeah, I think I was just going to say that that's the most amazing part of it, that you're sharing that story. Now, apart from our conversation on Brown Girl Rising, what has been like your standout conversation? <laughs>
0: I'll tell you which conversation has got the most listened to. Oh, interesting. Surprisingly, it wasn't the one I thought. It was the one about narcissism. And it's just mm. so interesting how people are so interested in psychology and the way the human brain works and why a narcissist becomes a narcissist. And what is it that what traumas have they been through? And it was one of the most incredible conversations and it's had hundreds of listens and yeah it's been insane um so yeah I think we're we're waking up to the fact that narcissism isn't as normal as maybe we've been told it is
1: right and I don't think a lot of us know what it is Mm. and actually it's only when we hear conversations like this that we realize that we're living with narcissists, we just didn't have a name for that behavior. Yeah. And we were just told it's normal.
0: It's normal. Just put
1: up with it. It's what happens in families and, you know, especially yeah. in Asian and brown families. Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, you're 100% right. People are rising up to that.
0: But even things like love bombing, like you think someone meets you and they want to do nice things for you, but there, there's a point of doing something nice for somebody you're dating and then trying to control them with mm. the overaffection.
1: Oosh, can I ask, right? So we're of the same era, of the yes. same generation. These terms like love bombing and narcissism and gaslighting and all of this, this was not around when we were in our in our 20s, when we were dating and meeting people. These kind of words weren't around then. And I'm learning, like I only learned love bombing a few weeks ago, and that was because mm. I watched maths. <laughs> Married at first sight. Like it's I wasn't... I was married at first sight otherwise I would not have known about it Mm. and there is so much miseducation or uneducation out there in a lot of this stuff and people are probably living with so much stuff that they don't even realize they're living with.
0: Absolutely there are you know clients and people that I've spoken to on the podcast which are going well actually I didn't know this was narcissism, but the way X Y Z treat, and narcissism doesn't mean necessarily it's not just from a partner, not just like a romantic partner, it can be a teacher, it can be a boss, it can be your mother or father or your sister. Yeah. It is all about manipulation and control because the narcissist doesn't know, but well, the narcissist just wants to have complete control. control. Yeah, absolutely. And that's where the love bombing comes in, right? So they will shower you with gifts, making you feel like you are the only girl in the world or the only person for them or the only best employee. And then they'll take it away. And then they'll bring it back. And then they'll take it. So it's a, pull, it's a push-pull scenario. And you kind of go, oh, I've been a bad girl. Um, and then you try and make it up to them. And then they, they shower you again. And then they take it away and like, oh, what did I do this time? You know, And then it just becomes a cycle of um, deprivation in your head.
1: It's crazy, isn't it? And you don't know what you don't know. You don't know what you don't know. So how do you get to know what you don't know?
0: I think it's experiences. I think it's doing the research, going, okay, well, this doesn't feel right. Your body, your gut will always tell you if it doesn't feel safe. Listen to it. Feel how your heartbeat is around somebody. Your heart will always tell you if you are in a safe situation or not your gut will always give you the right intuition. So I think we all need to really listen to our own bodies because they will tell you exactly, your body will tell you exactly what you need, exactly what's right for you and exactly what is wrong for you. And it will basically, if you start getting these like anxiety and like heart palpitations, you know it's not right for you, that can't be good for you. Living in a state of stress and cortisol is not good. And then
1: obviously listen to the Brown Girl Rising podcast because you will learn so much from there as well. Absolutely. So, Ush, last question. You and I have the same goal. We both want to leave the world a better place. Mm -hmm. So um, I know you said you don't have children, but you are a mother figure to many, many children out there, whether they're nieces and nephews or your friends, kids, you know, whatever they are. So my mission in that whole leaving the world a better place is to actually leave the world a better place for my kids. I think they've got enough to deal with when it comes to climate change and all of these kind of things. For you, what does leaving the world a better place look like?
0: For me, it's about everybody that I work with, leaving them in a better place so then they have the ripple effect for their children and their children, and it goes down by generation. If we can break the cycle here then we know that our future, whether it's my direct bloodline, which doesn't exist at the moment, but you know, or my nephew or my sister, you know, my sister, I'm going to say something to you, right? My sister came to the, one of the sister circles I had, um, mm-hmm. the second one, and she'd always been like, no, Reiki's woo-woo, no, Crystal's a woo-woo, no, mm-hmm. this is woo-woo. Three days ago, she rang me up and she goes, I believe, and I was like, <gasps> was was like oh my god I changed her life like oh my god mm. like this is my blood sister right as much as I've got all of you guys as my sisters my blood sister did not did not believe in what I did I hope
1: my sister's listening to this
0: <laughs> <laughs> and then all of a sudden when I got she just basically went I believe And she goes, thank you for the crystals. And I'm coming back to Sister Circle and I'm bringing friends. And I was just like, oh, my God, I've changed someone's life. Now, she is 10 years younger than me. Therefore, generationally, she's younger than me, more likely to have more kids than me. Right. So that will filter down.
1: That's the ripple effect, right? That is the ripple effect. effect.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And
1: when we think about these people growing up, getting bigger, leading the world, they're going to be in a far better position than what we've currently got leading the world.
0: Absolutely. Which is
1: amazing. Amazing. Thank you so much, Ocean. Do you know what? We could probably go on forever and we'll probably have to have a round two at some point. But I really, really appreciate you taking the time out and coming on and speaking to us and sharing your business journey with us. And before we do go, Oh, you're so welcome. Before we do go, how can people reach out to you? And I know we've glazed over a lot of things. But if you could let people know what are all the ways that they can connect with you and take that step into your world?
0: absolutely so I do one-to-one and group coaching it's all about reclaiming your radiance in a, in a joy and embodying that truth and uh, you know authenticity um you can find me on instagram um I am unlimited uro um or check out my website unlimited or email me and then you can also find the brown girl rising on spotify apple amazon youtube we're everywhere now um and yeah just reach out and i do retreats so i've got bali in thailand i've got sister circles i do one-to-one sound i am here to hold that space mm. in a most empathetic way that i know possible so if you need me i'm there
1: oh amazing thank you Usha. And one of the things that i can say is you know i've been your friend um, for a couple of years now and one of the things that i can say is you bring so much lightness and so much joy into everything you do so if there any if is if there is anyone sitting in the darkness and feels that they need a bit of light and joy honestly just reach out to ush because i'm sure she'll have something that will be able to bring you back will be able to bring you back to joy I've even had my kids, my kids have experienced Ush, literally she's been in our house, she's been in our office. She has been sprinkling her magic everywhere and just like you Ush, I would like that for everybody as well. So mm-hmm. thank you, thank you, thank you so much and we will be back again soon with a very another episode. So thank you Ush. Thank you.